Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, if you would like to be on the program. I am Googling something out of the gate. So unprofessional, I realize. Um, okay. All right. I'm 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 looking. I should have. Yep. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Here we go. I have. I, I want to talk about a subject now. I need you to listen to me out of the gate with this caveat. I'm going to talk about something. I'm very familiar with it because it's happening in the state of Georgia, but this really is a national issue for conservatives and Republicans. And so I will will go big picture here, but you need to understand the details first. I've got a lot of affiliates in Georgia, and I live in Georgia, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with this issue. I want to be able to relate it to all of you because wherever you are, whether you're uh, in Salem, Oregon, or Tucson, Arizona, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, Jacksonville, Orlando, Florida, Dayton, Ohio, um, wherever you are, this issue relates to what you are dealing with with the Republican Party right now. And I find this very frustrating. There's a piece of legislation in Georgia It's called House Bill 999. For the very first time in the state of Georgia, there is an opportunity to pass meaningful school choice. The legislation would, you know, so there's money that follows kids from the state government to public education. So, Let's say uh, your child, Sam, goes to public school A. The state of Georgia sends public school A a pile of money. And then Sam's parents move, and so Sam is now going to public school B. The state stops sending the money to public school A and now sends it to public school B. Now Sam's parents decided both schools are terrible. We're going to homeschool the kid. So Sam drops out of school. The parents don't get the money. Nobody gets the money. The money stops flowing anywhere. Every state works this way with state dollars for the most part. There are a few exceptions, but generally that's how it works. States subsidize local school districts, so money flows to those local school districts And when a child moves, the money moves with the child. And there has been a movement for school choice in the country that says, uh, let the parents move the money. So if Sam moves from public school A to private school one, Sam's parents would be able to redirect those state dollars to the private school. After all, if Sam goes to the private school, public school A isn't getting any money anyway. So why stop flowing that money to fund Sam's education just because Sam decided to get a better education or private school? School choice. In Georgia, a bipartisan group has come together, multiracial group, black, white, male, female, Republican, Democrat, to do school choice. 
and it would take a portion of the state money, $6,000 of that money, would let the parents use it to send their child to the school of their choice, charter, public, or private, would not completely cover the cost. The parents would have to come up with other money. There is another program in Georgia called the Opportunity Scholarship where you and I can pay money into a program and we get a dollar-for-dollar credit on our taxes in Georgia. So in Georgia with the Opportunity Scholarship Fund, for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about out of state, uh, if I write a $1,000 check to the Opportunity Scholarship Fund, then I get a $1,000 credit on state taxes. It's as if I paid $1,000 in state taxes. So it gets deducted off my tax bill. And that $1,000, instead of going to the general fund, goes to fund scholarships for poor kids to go to private schools. Stacey Abrams, by the way, really hates that program. So under the new plan, 999, God rest, God bless Herman Cain, under House Bill 999, the money would flow to the parents who would get to decide that $6,000 where to go. Several black Democrats in the state legislature are backing this Republican initiative because they have dealt with the problems of public schools and COVID with their kids and they've had enough. They've seen it firsthand. They know what we're talking about and they're on board. So for the first time ever in the state of Georgia, there is a real path to school choice. But there's a problem, you see. In Georgia, in Georgia, there are less than 100 illegal aliens who attend private colleges and universities. And there may be about 1,000 to 2,000 we're not sure of the precise number, illegal aliens who are going to public schools in Georgia. So the illegal alien opponents have decided that no one in Georgia should be allowed school choice because a handful of illegal immigrant children, illegal alien children, might be able to take advantage of it. Now, let's let's just play the, this out logically. You have some number of illegal alien kids in Georgia. The estimate is maximum 3,000, according to the federal government, possibly. Now, some you should know, FAIR, for example, has said that there may be 133,000. Neither the state nor federal government believes it. We know for certain there are fewer than 100 in colleges in Georgia, public colleges in Georgia. But let's just play it out. So this money that comes is only $6,000. The kids would have to find the additional money to cover the cost of private education. Then they would have to find a school that allows them to come in. What are the odds of an illegal alien in Georgia who is able to get the $6,000 from the state, fills out all the forms and says, hey, hey, I'm here. Let me have this money. Finds the additional money to cover the rest of the cost of the private school and then goes to the private school and says, yeah, my kid's an illegal alien. Let him in. Here's the money. What are the odds of that happening? Now, let me ask you this question. Is it worth killing school choice for every legal kid in Georgia, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, 
every legal kid in Georgia, is it worth killing a program that for the first time has a chance of passing in order to deprive a handful of possible illegal aliens from taking advantage of the program? Should we kill it for everyone because of a couple hundred illegal aliens? That's essentially the argument advanced by the illegal aliens, uh, activists, many of whom are really doing the bidding of the left and probably don't even know it. It's the left that wants to kill the program. But wait, there's another coalition group. A small gathering of homeschool people are upset about the legislation. Why? Because their kids won't get the $6,000 because they're homeschooled. So again, I got to ask you a question. Georgia, for the first time ever, meaningfully has a chance to pass school choice. Is it worth depriving every kid in Georgia in a public school of a good education because of a handful of illegal immigrants and a few angry homeschool parents who want the money? Are we making the enemy, are we making the perfect the enemy of the good? These are the choices nationwide that people are facing in politics. You have a bill. It is not perfect. You could, by the way, you can go see if they will amend it, amend the legislation in Georgia to insert a social security number requirement that the kid has to have a social security number. You could do that. I'd support it. I think it'd be fine. But what if you don't get the votes anymore to be able to pass it? You probably would require a social security number, but what if you don't? Is it worth killing the whole program because some illegal aliens might benefit? Should we stop funding emergency rooms in the country? Should we stop funding emergency rooms? Should we make every emergency room shut down nationwide? Because some illegal aliens, they go to the emergency room for medical help. And the government will cover the costs because they're not going to cover the costs, yet these same people think that, that they'll find an extra $6,000 to make up the difference in private school tuition. I, I mean, y'all, I'm sorry. This is what frustrates me about uh, the purity in politics movement that we have. There are some things I realize you're passionate about. I won't vote for a pro-choice candidate, and I get it. But this is very much to me almost like that the pro-life movement, some parts of the pro-life movement. There was legislation in Georgia last year, the fetal heartbeat legislation. Several other states passed this legislation that uh, when a fetal heartbeat was detected, you couldn't perform abortion anymore. The Georgia Life Alliance, which is a pro-life group in the state of Georgia, supported it. But the Right to Life, Georgia Right to Life, another pro-life group, opposed the legislation. Yes, let, let me put this in perspective. The Georgia Right to Life pro-life organization opposed a measure that would ban abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected. They opposed it. Why? Because it didn't ban all abortions. The same organization, Georgia Right to Life, when Congress several years ago was considering a ban on abortions after 20 weeks, Congress was considering it was a 20 or 22 week abortion ban. No abortions after 20 weeks. It had the votes in the House of Representatives to pass. And the Georgia Right to Life group opposed it. Why? Because, well, abortion could still happen. It was either all or nothing. 
they made the perfect the enemy of the good. Instead of saving some lives, they wanted all those lives to keep dying unless they could prevent all the lives from dying. Making the perfect the enemy of the good. This is what frustrates me sometimes in politics, and I realize there are single-issue people, and they don't care. They don't the the the, the anti-illegal immigrant people. They don't care about your poor child wanting a better education. They would punish your child in order to punish the illegal aliens. They would be punitive to your children. I, I'm really angry with some of the homeschool families out there. I get you would love to have that six thousand dollars. But you know what? You've already made the commitment and made it work for your family. There are some poor families out there who can't make it work. Why are we punishing them when you've been able to make it work? Yes, I would love to ram through a piece of legislation that gives you a $6,000 tax credit comparable to this. You certify that your kids are homeschooled. I would love to. Life ain't fair. Should we screw the poor kid who might be able to get a better education uh, because you homeschool your kid and can't get the credit? This is what so frustrates me. In politics these days, where people become so selfish, oh, we, we've got to help, we got to help, we got to help, we got to help. Well, here's a meaningful way to help. Well, nope, I can't get something out of it, so I'm not going to help. Screw the poor kids. I can't punish the people I want to punish, so let's punish everyone. Really does begin to make people cynical about politics. In Georgia, for the very first time ever, a bipartisan coalition, multiracial coalition, has come together and said, let's do this. Let's rescue kids from failing schools. Let's give these parents a chance. It won't be 100% of a leg up, but we'll get them halfway there. And they've got other avenues to find the difference to make up the money through scholarships and other opportunities. Let's get these poor kids out of these failing public schools, many of which have shut down because of the pandemic, so that they can get a good education and become productive citizens and long-term help the state of Georgia. Let's do it. And now the question is, do we do it or let the loud, angry voices who want to punish others who might happen to benefit from this scuttle the whole thing? Choice is yours. I will say I support it. I really do, and I hope you will. I, I, I think if the Republicans give school choice nationwide, whatever state you're in listening, if Republicans who control those states advance school choice and give it to parents, those parents will keep voting Republican forever because the Republicans will be the ones who finally gave their kids a good education, and they will realize if they hand it back to the Democrats, the Democrats will kill that program. You create this entitlement by empowering parents and dare the Democrats to take it away. If you support this, text the word ACTION to 55444. You'll get into the Action Center and be able to contact in Georgia. If you're in Georgia, you'll be able to contact your member of the legislature and tell them to support House Bill 999. Uh, Text the word ACTION to the phone number 55444. Help these kids, help your kids possibly, but get kids a better education than what they're getting right now in Georgia. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. 
We actually have Bowling Brand sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bowling Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bowling Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bowling Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at BowlinBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's BowlinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the co-sponsors of House Bill 999 uh, just texted, was listening to the show here in Georgia and said uh, he has uh, added language to make sure that illegal alien families cannot take advantage of the provision. Uh, nonetheless, um, some of the anti-illegal alien agitators are still trying to kill the legislation for reasons no one can figure out, considering that the legislation now makes clear they couldn't take advantage of the legislation. Um, I, you know, I, I will, I will tell you, um, God's honest truth. What I think about this, I think we got to secure the border. I think we need to build a giant wall, a great wall of the United States at the Southern border. We should not be having illegal aliens flooding this country. It destabilizes our country. Borders should mean something, but also, there are a lot of people here, and contrary to what you may think, no, they're not all going to be rounded up. I wish they would, but they won't be. So the question is, do we make them a drag on the system, or do we allow those kids to go to school and get some education so at least they might become productive members of society somewhere? Uh, there are some states that aren't going to round them all up and throw them out. They're just not. So should we allow those illegal alien kids, the small ones, the kids, to get an education, learn how to read, write, and do arithmetic so that they could at least uh, be productive as opposed to somehow getting on the dole, which, you know, that's going to happen. Uh, here's my personal preference, just so I'm on the record and make it crystal clear where I stand on the issue. I think we should have a big high wall. We should do it immediately and no discussion of amnesty, no discussion of illegal immigration at all till we secure the border. I think the conversation changes once you've secured the border because once you've secured the border, all the hypotheticals people scream out about, oh, they're going to flood the border if we do this, they kind of that's done. So then we figure out what to do. And here's my thinking. There are some people in this country who have been here for a very long time who are illegal aliens. Uh, and many of them have never committed a crime other than illegally crossing the border. In fact, I know someone who is an illegal alien who came here illegally refuses even to drive because to do so uh, he believes would probably be a legal violation because of the paperwork he'd have to fill out. Hard worker sends something like 60% of his money home to Mexico to take care of his wife and kids. Very hard worker, tremendously good Christian guy, understands the predicament he's in. And I'm just thinking uh, this guy busts his butt 
dots every I, crosses every T, is a wonderful human being. Uh, This is the sort of person we should want in this country. But also, if we're going to allow him to stay, don't give him citizenship. He's got to be in some way punished. Let him stay. Give him resident alien status. Never allow him to become a citizen. But for people in that situation whose kids are here, let him be a citizen. Bring in the good hard workers. But first, you got to build a huge wall and keep others out who would come try to take advantage of that system. We don't want a flood of people coming into this country who won't assimilate into the country and begin to share our values. But gosh, some people have been here a very long time already and just don't give them citizenship, but let them stay. Hello there. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on this year program. Now we got to talk about Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, boy. How do we get here? How, how, how do, we're <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended at The View for two weeks for the pain she has caused with her words. They make it sound like Whoopi Goldberg is, not, is an anti-Semite, and she's not. I want to be very clear with you out of the gate here. Whoopi Goldberg is not an anti-Semite, nor does she deny the Holocaust. Whoopi Goldberg on The View, well, I can play you the audio that that started the firestorm here. This was Whoopi Goldberg the other day on The View about, um, oh, what was it? Um, the the Nazis and, and ethnicity versus race. Well, also, if you're going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No, it's not about race. It's a different race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about race. What is it about? Because it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, and race. It's then, but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, how do we have to black people? They see them as white men. But you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It goes on from there. But then she went on Stephen Colbert's show and she said the Nazis were lying. When the Nazis said the Jews were erased, the Nazis, they were liars. She doesn't deny the Holocaust. She doesn't deny the horror. She just denies it was about race. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is essentially being suspended from The View for doing what people in The View do every day. Utter, utterly stupid opinions, revealing themselves to not be very bright. That's all that happened. She revealed herself to not be very bright, not very thoughtful. Uh, not very smart and not very understanding of history. That's it. And that happens every day on The View. She didn't reveal herself to be an anti-Semite. There's no reason she should be suspended for this. What she's doing here is a problem with the wokes of which she has become one. And that is engaged in uh, the problem of presentism. The sin, if you will, of presentism. Judging history by the present and being unable to acknowledge history in the context of history when it happened, but instead forcing it into the context of modern times where it does not exist. Ethnicity is a very recent phenomenon. Now, 
ethnicity has it's been around for a while but in in the grand scheme of history it's really kind of a modern thing a modern construct if you will for lack of a better term race is where it's always been groups of people viewed themselves as different races you would view the the greeks and the Italians and the Germans and the French as uh, different ethnicities. A hundred years ago, they were different races of people. We now view, for example, different sets of Europeans and Jews as being different ethnicities, but all white. That's where Whoopi Goldberg is, that, that it's white on white violence. But no, the Germans actually believe the Germanic people were a separate race. And you can say, well, they were lying, except they weren't in that construct at that time. Uh, in the present day, we would say it's not true. But in the 1940s, yes, widely accepted. The Germanic people were a race of people. The Greeks were a race of people. The Italians were a race of people. The Slavs were a race of people, not an ethnicity, but a race of people. The Jews were a race of people. And the Germans believed that their tribe, their race, was the dominant above all others. White, black, brown, Asian, they believed they were dominant. And you can't understand the Holocaust and its implications until you understand that. It wasn't about an ethnicity. It wasn't about a white-on-white violence. It was about a group of people becoming so tribal as to believe they in that group were themselves a race of people and all other races were inferior. And the one that caused the most problem happened to be the Jews. And they needed to be exterminated because of all the races of the planet. They were the ones causing all the problems. That's what the Nazis believed. Whoopi Goldberg has made it about the present. And in the present, the Slavs, the French, the Scandinavians, they're all ethnicities. But people didn't talk that way even 100 years ago. Really, even 50 years ago, it was only becoming a thing. This ethnicity was becoming a thing. The, The breakdowns of races into distinct parts where white became the genus and and ethnicity became the species. A hundred years ago, it was all just race. The races of mankind. She doesn't understand that. Today, we would look at, at, at let's, let's just take uh, Koreans, Japanese, Chinese, Taiwanese, Vietnamese. We would say oh, they're, they're all ethnicities. The race is Asian. The ethnicity is, is the, their country of origins. People didn't talk about that back, back then. It, it was, they were all individual races. And so the Germans did not view it as white-on-white violence. The Germans and everyone else at the time, and that's the key here, everyone else as well, viewed it as a race of people against another race of people. The extermination of a race of people, not an ethnicity, an entire race of people with a multi-thousand-year-old lineage. Whoopi Wilbur got that wrong. Not only did she get it wrong, she dug in her heels. She did what people on The View are expected to do, dig in their heels 
and have strongly held opinions, and they couldn't correct her. She dug in her heels. She did exactly what they expect you to do on The View, to argue and dig in your heels and be combative to get the ratings, and now she's being punished for it. She's being suspended for uttering a stupid opinion when Joy Behar, if the standard was uttering stupid opinions, Joy Behar would have been fired years ago. But Whoopi's words hurt. Really what it is, is after weeks of saying people needed to be censored for their hurtful takes on COVID, they had to do something because they'd look like hypocrites. The problem here, however, is that none of these people should be punished. Joe Rogan should not be punished for daring to have opinions or conversations with those who have heterodox opinions. That's what Joe Rogan's sin is. Joe Rogan's sin is he's daring to have conversations with people the left doesn't like people who have heterodox opinions, some of which have proven to be right over time. Not all, but some. And so he's bad. Whoopi Goldberg, she had to be, to some degree, the sacrificial lamb. She she had to be punished because they so want to censor other people. Cancel culture is running amok. Ilya Shapiro is a libertarian. I mentioned him. He's been hired by Georgetown University to run a program. They've suspended him after hiring him because he uttered a controversial opinion that the left immediately viewed as racist. He didn't mean it to be racist. It was even he would concede and has said a poorly worded tweet. But Ilya Shapiro was trying to make the case that Joe Biden immediately saying only a black woman would go on the Supreme Court was bad because there were candidates, one in particular, who is the most distinguished progressive judge in all of the federal court system. And anyone who is not this person is inferior, including all the black women. And so he used the phrase inferior black women. He didn't mean it as black women are inferior, but in light of this person being the best pick for the court overall, Anyone of any race would be inferior. And when Joe Biden says he's only going with a black woman, then the black woman is definitionally inferior to this person. Unless he races, 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 racism, firing, firing. A Georgetown University professor during the Kavanaugh hearings talked about wanting to bury the corpses of the Republicans in the Senate or some such. Georgetown said they disagreed with her statement, but that uh, she had free speech and they stood by her free speech. But now the Black Law Student Association, they literally wanted a room to cry in. They're so sensitive that Julius Shapiro said something I don't like on Twitter. I've got to go cry and we can't hire him. What a bunch of ninnies. You don't want to be confronted with a view with which you disagree. You don't want to be confronted. You know, the way you grow in life is you get confronted with challenges, and sometimes those challenges are people you disagree with. There can be no personal growth and no personal mental development unless you are confronted with people with whom you might disagree on an issue. And these idiots at Georgetown and the 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 whims who are out there, Whippy Goober hurt my feelings. Oh, she's so mean. They don't want to be confronted with the insensitivities of the things other people say. They want to be weak. China's looking at all this saying, my gosh, these people are pathetic. We can take them. You know, in life, you're going to be offended. And in life, some people. 
people may have stupid views. What you have to do is figure out how do you how do you navigate them? And the solution, I would argue, is not to suspend Whoopi Goldberg or to drive Joe Rogan's podcast off Spotify. It's to bring in better speech, more speech, higher speech, correct the record, challenge, probe, push. People don't want to do that anymore. They just want to shut up the views they disagree with. And you know what happens when you try to shut up the views you disagree with? They tend to actually grow. They tend to actually get greater exposure. This is the thing that that I just can't under underemphasize enough or overemphasize enough here is the reason we're all talking about Joe Rogan is CNN in particular decided he needed to be punished. We seen it. You wouldn't know about Joe Rogan. Neil Young would not know about Joe Rogan because Neil Young does not listen to Joe Rogan. It's the self-censorious people at CNN who decided Joe Rogan needs to be punished. They're the ones who blew it up, so everyone's attention was drawn to Joe Rogan. Had CNN not done it, no one would have cared. Everybody would have moved on. But they don't like that Joe Rogan's uttering an opinion they don't like. This is the same network, you will recall, who bullied a man into apologizing to them for running a gif that showed Donald Trump body slamming CNN as a a wrestling match. They photoshopped CNN's head onto a wrestler that was getting body slammed. And CNN ran this, this little piece about how well, since he apologized, for now we won't reveal his name. We may in the future if he makes us mad. They're the authoritarians bullying people threatening to sick the mob on them or hound them out of a job if they don't get their way. They're doing it with Joe Rogan now. Now they're furious because they can't get Joe Rogan canceled. But we, none of us would even care about this episode of Joe Rogan had CNN in particular and other media outlets too, but mostly CNN, blown it into a national story where they get to play censor and demand that you come back to them and, and, and challenge you with the, the audacity of putting your trust in someone like Joe Rogan. They don't like other views being spread. This is getting more and more out of hand. The only way to beat it is to not play it, but it looks like everybody's going to want to play. Everybody wants their pound of flesh. Nobody wants to offer grace. Whoopi Goldberg should never have been suspended for uttering an utterly stupid view. Joe Rogan should never have been suspended, or he shouldn't be taken off Spotify, and he's not going to be, thank goodness, for daring to have interviews with the heterodox. Maybe Joe Rogan, he said he, he doesn't actually uh, do any briefings or education on what these people are going to say to be able to challenge him. He just wants to have conversations with them. Maybe he should change that. I don't know. But it's his show, not mine. But the relentless pursuit of censorship of those with whom we disagree and then saying, well, it's not really censorship because it's not the government. You're trying to silence people you don't like. And all you're doing ultimately is making people distrust you and your institution more and more. And those who engage in canceling and silencing, you're going to wind up propping up the very voices you're coming after as people go to them because people will find a way to get those ideas out. This is all really stupid. We live in very unserious, stupid times. And suspending Whoopi Goldberg 
for being an idiot, you might as well just shut down the view. It is Eric Erickson here in this hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. I was talking to the Frost family and they are just doing so much business with small businesses, helping them grow. Uh, really, if, if you want their help and you're a small business, really needs to be loans like 750000 and up. If you need to build a building or buy a building, um, if you see opportunities where the banks aren't sure, the Frost family wants to help you. And I mean, they're really helping so much. Uh, and you can reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. Go to the website. You can find all their contact info. Tell them that I sent you. Uh, good people. I, I know them well. They're super people. And they really want to help you. They are experts at helping small businesses, particularly where a lot of banks don't want to help right now. All right. Uh, to the phones. Gail, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? Wow, Alex. I'm very well and very privileged to be able to speak with you. I have um, two things. First of all, I want to thank you for, for something, and I want to share something with you. Okay. The first thing I, the first thing I would like to thank you for is your article that you wrote on Substack on January 28th, where you shared your favorite Psalm 73, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and you discussed, you know, little something we need to be aware of. I feel like you're a real voice for good in this world. And um, so I want to thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Um, secondly, I would like to share with you three days before your um, writing on Substack, I subscribe to a Catholic daily prayer book called um, Give Us This Day. Mm-hmm. And each day they have little reflections from religious writers um, of their day, Thomas Merton, various people. Um, three days beforehand, there was a writing from Catherine de Doherty, mm-hmm. um, who wrote a book called Grace in Every Season. She lived from 1896 to 1985. Wow. Yeah. This is a writing. She was a laywoman of Russian heritage, and I'm quoting the the reflection for that day to you um, Mm -hmm. so that everybody gets correct credit here. Um, And she was foundress of the Madonna House Apostolate in Cumbermere, Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, But her writing was about the little mandate. Um, It was the scriptural foundation of her apostolic life. And the reading says, the little mandate says, preach the gospel with your life, without compromise. Listen to the Spirit. He will lead you. We must live the gospel without compromise at all costs, even that of our lives. We are to witness to Christ in the marketplace by loving and doing, not so much by speaking. Then she goes on to say, yes. The time has come for all who believe in Jesus Christ and all who hunger for him and for that unity which he alone can bring to bear against divisiveness. Yes, the time has come for us all to have the courage to submit our intellects to that of Jesus Christ as he operates in our families, in our personal relations, in governments, everything, everywhere. Amen to that. Look, Gail, I, I'm, I'm afraid I, I, I got to cut you off there because I got about 15 seconds here. Um, but that's that's well said. And I thank you very much for calling in and sharing that. Uh, sorry, I had to, had to abruptly let you go there. Um, but we're out of time on this segment. Now, when we come back, we got to move on to other stuff. 
Well, it's 2022 and things are, well, they're still kind of nuts. And you know, with the Federal Reserve and interest rates, a lot of banks, they didn't want to help a small business to begin with. They like the big businesses. So where do you go as a small business to get to yes on a loan that you need, access to financing that you can use to build a building, buy a building, buy a fleet of vehicles, something big. You see opportunities and the banks, they just want to tell you no. That's where the Frost family, friends of mine at First Liberty Building and Loan, come in. They've been doing this since the 1990s. They help small businesses become big businesses, and they might be able to help you. Spend 10 minutes with them. You need a loan, $750,000 or more? Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. That's firstlibertyga.com. Firstlibertyga.com. Tell them Eric sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. Walk through their process. See if you're a fit for them, and they're a fit for you. They help small businesses nationwide. They want to help your small business if they can. FirstLibertyGA.com.